Puerto Rico has a rich history in boxing. Who is carrying that tradition today? We talk about that and more on this edition of ProBox TV's Top Stories. Welcome to Top Stories here on Pro Box TV. And as usual, we have the best of boxing. And with me, a panel of full-blown world champions, Paula Malinaji, Chris Algeri, and we're going to talk about the state of Puerto Rican boxing. It's one of the smallest areas in the world, yet has given us so many world champions. And now we're wondering what's going on. Is there a lack of talent? What happened? Did, it, did they go on a drought? Because... Let's go back. We've had the likes of Tito Trinidad. We've had uh, Benitez. We've had Gomez. We've had uh, Macho Camacho, Coto, uh, and I mean the number. The, the numbers keep going on and on and on. But all of a sudden, we don't have anybody representing the island. What's going on? I don't think it's so much that we don't have anybody. I think that we're just kind of in a transition. The next crop of, of Puerto Rican superstar is is developing. We're seeing a lot of these younger guys who are coming up now who uh, have tons of talent, tons of promise, and, but they just need to mature and, and for their, their potential to come to fruition. So I don't think it's so much that you know, we're in a lull or anything like that, but you know, there's, there's always ebbs and flows, and, and as, as fighters mature and, and, and we're crossing over in terms of you know, timelines, that uh, I think that the, the rich history of Puerto Rican champions is something that's going to be coming very, very soon and for a long time. It's 11 kick you know, I, I um, you know, you mentioned that it's a small area of the world, right? So, you know, uh, the fact that boxing was producing so many champions from that small island shows how important it was to the culture. I feel like we're, in, uh, don't get me wrong, I think Puerto Rico will keep producing champions, but I also think the world in general is just kind of changing with technology and people doing other things. In order to be a boxing world champion, you've got to have a full-on dedication to boxing. I mean, you, the distractions have to be minimal to, minimal to none. I just feel like, you know, it was already such a small area. If, you know, in a big area, you'll still get some guys that get through the cracks. But in such a small area, if you already start to see a bit of a transition, it becomes worrisome to me. You know, I, I think boxing uh, in Puerto Rico and boxing fans will always have a, 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 a place in the culture, but I don't know. I don't know. These new generation guys, I don't know if, if, if they're distracted, if they're doing other things, if, you know, if you can't do part-time boxing and, and yes. become a world champion, you know, and what I mean by part-time boxing is not just the physical part, even the mental part. If your mind is in so many other places, even if you intend to give boxing all your physical time, you're still not going to become a champion. You're still not going to be able to, to, to have the success success that the, even the guys in, in the past from this island have had. Social media has a lot to do with that. Yeah, I get worried when, when Paulie puts on his Nostradamus hat and starts, <laughs> and starts saying he's worried about the future and things like that. This guy's a good, good, uh, good, good running when it comes to predicting I'll, I'll future, give you so. the ink and pen so you can start writing. It's tough. I, I just can't ignore the evidence. That's all I am. That's fair, all I'm saying. You know, people but, like to ignore the evidence. I, I, me, I, I have a hard time doing that. I just want to bring uh, to light in uh, one of the most uh, recognized names the, uh, beyond the history of uh, Puerto Rican boxing, Tito Trinidad. Uh, he wasn't only just an amazing fighter. We, we were discussing here different fights that we had a chance to see, but his personality. There was something about Tito that carried on beyond the ring. Uh, his personality, his charisma, his touch with not only the New Yorkers, because he actually fought like a local in New York. But whenever he went back to the island, 
It was hordes of people waiting for him to get off the plane. Well, I mean, you see that today, even in retirement. He's just, he has an aura about him. There's always people that want to be around him. He's still one of the most jovial ex-champions I've ever seen. A lot of, a lot of fighters are, are bitter, you know, in, after their career. They didn't make enough. They didn't do this. They didn't get that fight. They didn't get that decision. Tito's not like that. He is a very happy ex-champion, and he loves the people around him. And, he, you know, he's got that aura about him. Yeah, I tell you, he's, he's one of those guys who's... Uh easy to be around mm -hmm. and, and makes you really like, you know when they say you don't meet your heroes or you, when you, because you, they'll disappoint you? Yeah. Now, Trinidad's that's not, not one of those guys. <laughs> you meet him and he'll actually be better than what you expected. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And he's funny, he's, he's a guy during his career, I know this is going to be blasphemy, I was not a fan. Oh, mostly. I'm the same way. Oh. Mostly because he beat all the guys that I really liked, but mm -hmm. you know, in, I was the same way. Yeah. In, oh. in hindsight, in hindsight, I am a huge fan of Tito Trinidad. I love the way that he fought. I broke down. You know, I'm an athlete, so I, I, I look at the way that his style was, the way he, um, his heart, his his ability to come back from the brink of defeat and make exciting fights. I mean, I, I've become I, a huge fan in his retirement. I remember uh, going to the Pernod Whitaker fight in the in the Garden. It was February 1999, and I was a Pernod Whitaker fan, and um, you know, I didn't have a huge amount of amateur experience quite yet and so I, I, I went there and uh i remember whitaker after he beat whitaker he whitaker got up on the rope kind of to salute the crowd and they booed him they all booed him and i was oh. like i was like these people are horrible horrible <laughs> human beings how, how, you, he, these heathens are booing parnell whitaker you know and i, I don't know it, it just turned me off and it just i don't know it made me, it it made me never root for trinidad again and it was a shame because when i met him years later he's and I, such a nice I, guy you're a nice guy. He's just cool. People can be nice. Tito was cool. You know what I mean? Like, he's cracking jokes. He's funny. He's, you know, putting his arm around you. He's just, I don't know, man. I was like, I'm so stupid for letting outside abnormalities affect my opinion of, of, a, of, a, of a great champion. I always felt he was a great champion. I'll give you that. Yes. I mean, I, I can like you or dislike you. If you can fight, I'll tell you you can fight. You know, I always thought Trinidad could fight. But I was like, you know, I, I wasted the opportunity to actually like him. He's such a likable guy, you know? And so, uh, you know... I remember thinking, like, this guy's crowd is the worst. And I was at the Hopkins fight. Just I was talking Ooh. so much smack at the Hopkins fight. Um, 2001. Yeah, 2001. Uh, and, and, then, and then they all got me back for when I fought Kodo. It was the same crowd. <laughs> I was up against the same crowd against and, Kodo. And now you bring another name, Miguel yeah. Cotto, that despite being a multi-division world champ, uh, a great person, an outstanding fighter, very classically trained, you know, Olympian as well. He represented Puerto Rico in Sydney 2000. Yet he never had that ability to coax the public or, or entice the charisma that Tito had. But yet he was, he's an extraordinary fighter and a great guy. Well, I mean, first of all, great segue, Paulie, for bringing in Cotto into, into, yes. into, into the, the Trinidad conversation. But, I mean, you said, you said it, the word, charisma. Uh -huh. That's not something that's in the Kodo's bag of tricks. Yes, I mean, can't he, teach he, that. Yeah, you can't teach that. It's something you have, you don't. Tito Trinidad certainly has that. Jose Cotto does not have that. But, I mean, a phenomenal champion. So I have the opposite of feelings towards Cotto because I watch Cotto from the literal, from, from the amateurs. And I watch his entire career, everything from his car accident when he hurt his right shoulder to using his jab and his left hook. And I love left hooks and good body punchers. He did everything I like technically in a boxing ring. And also, he would get off the canvas. He'd come back and roar mm -hmm. to win and stop guys. I went to a ton of his fights in the garden because every garden fight there ever was, my brother and I went. But, I mean, yeah, I've met him several times since he's retired. And very quiet, very quiet man. Always been. Very humble man, which very. is very impressive for being who he is. So, yeah, definitely a different personality 
doesn't have the charisma of, of, a, of a, a, a Felix Trinidad, but still a humble champion that a hero you want to meet. Yeah, and, and for me, for me, I didn't like him either because I, I looked at him as a rival. <laughs> oh, I looked at him as a rival. You know, I turned pro around the same time. So I'm like, I'm going to fight this guy, man. I want to fight this guy. Eventually, I got my, give away your ass for it. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 you know, but it wasn't until after that. After that, we were always respectful. It was Very. cool. It was, and it was, yeah. It's always good to see him again. Um, and, and I'll tell you what. He may not have the charisma to the strangers and the people mm -hmm. he doesn't know, but if he gets to know friends. you, if he knows you and he gets comfortable, listen, Miguel will crack jokes mm -hmm. and, and, he's, and he's funny. Fun, he's talk, but it I mean, takes that He's got to know you. You know what I mean? He has a little bit of a reserve side of, unless he can open up to you. So most people will never get to see that. While Tito is a little bit different in that everybody, he's fun for everybody. You know? uh, and he's Miguel, best friends with everybody. Yeah, Miguel is reserved. But I'll tell you what, if you get it out of Miguel, Miguel's a cool guy too. And, and an excellent cook, by the him. way. Yeah. That, that's a man that has a lot of talents. They're all very well hidden. But... <laughs> One of the best talents that he has is being a great dad. And mm -hmm. we've always enjoyed him and his kids. And so we're going from those two very completely different personalities. And then when we talk about legacies, like uh, the Wilfredo Gomez and Wilfredo Benitez, completely different personalities as well. But I'm going to throw somebody into this mix. Hector Macho Camacho. Macho time. We cannot talk about Puerto Rican boxing if we don't talk about macho. Talk about personalities and shit talking. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, personality, charisma, I mean, animosity. Ooh. I mean, there's so much to that man, the, the, the macho time, the, the, what he brought to the sport. He brought a flavor of entertainment. It was almost like watching, like, like pro wrestling, the way that he was, yes. the way that he dressed, WWE with the, the way that he dressed, shorts. the way that he talked, the way that also, but also, you, it, take, it almost takes away from how good of a fighter he yes. was. Everyone kind of thinks of him as like a defensive guy. No, absolutely not. He was a puncher and he scored a lot of knockouts and he, and he put hurt on people. I think we think of him toward the end of his career because he had a, a very long extended career uh, for well into his <sighs> later years and whatnot. But no, I mean, a tremendous, tremendous talent. And a, a troubled soul outside of the yeah. ring, but he used that a lot in the ring, and that's where you saw the a lot anger. of that animosity mm -hmm. that I spoke about. Even though he is somewhat considered sometimes a defensive fighter or a very slick guy, uh, he's still one to put some hurt on you. I'll tell you what you're talking about now—the generation that really influenced me—and and Camacho and uh, Benitez are two of two guys that really had a big influence on my boxing style. You talk about, you know, my favorite fighter was Arturo Gatti because I had in common with him the Italian part, but. I didn't really didn't, didn't fight like him. I liked Princess Imamed because he was a showman in my mm. generation. Then I started to look at, you know, the boxing styles that I wanted to learn from, that I wanted to be taught from, you know. And, and my first trainer that I ever had in boxing was Puerto Rican. And, 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 and you know, he gave me a lot of uh, Camacho videos and a lot of uh, Wilfred, Wilfred Benitez videos. And mm -hmm. these were two guys that are really started to mold my boxing style after, you know. Obviously, nobody... Cop, nobody's a perfect copycat, and these guys were amazing fighters, but I just, I just gravitated to their kind of boxing style, the combination of their kind of boxing style, and of course, I love the pizzazz that Camacho had, you know, I tried to emulate some of that as well, but uh, really, two of my favorite fighters overall, my two favorite Puerto Rican fighters, for sure, are Camacho and Benitez, but overall, two of my favorite fighters, because they had a big influence, in, impact on the style that I learned to box. So, is that, is that where you got your rat tail idea? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember because yeah. I had one and you yeah. had one, so it was like we're all twins. I mean, I'm sure a lot of your, your outfits came from, <laughs> yeah. from or inspired yeah. at least a little bit by yeah, like even Camacho. The, even the Broner fight that I fought, I had an exact replica made of the outfit he wore when he beat Sugar Ray Leonard. Ah, there you go. That. Talk about influences. You mentioned a name though that I, I can't let go. Wilf Wilfred Refredo Benitez. I mean, what a beautiful fighter. Yes. His style was absolutely 
Classy. It was incredible. Yes. When when I if you're a young fighter today and you want to learn how to box, the pure, and you yeah. want to if you want to learn what boxing subtleties, is about, the, the subtleties, the, the the jab, the rhythm, the movement, the in, the out. You watch Sugar Ray Leonard and Wilfredo Benitez. That fight is absolute I watched, joy I, boxing sweet time. I watched Benitez against several guys. I remember I used to watch Benitez and Duran. I mean, mm. people don't realize he schooled oh. Duran. Schooled. Absolutely took yep. him to school, you know? Yep. I used to watch several, I had several Benitez fights that I'd watch on video and just, you know, if I wanted to have reminders of things I'd watch. And also a lot of Camacho pre uh, Edwin Rosario, who another great Puerto Rican yep. fighter. Edwin Rosario, here, yes. You know, uh, Camacho pre-Rosario, I felt like after the Rosario fight, Camacho got buzzed and he, he almost lost a little bit of a confidence in, in, in his natural uh, pizzazz and natural style. But, but before the Rosario fight, he was actually very, very aggressive with his combination mm -hmm. punching and mm -hmm. just boxing and everything. So I had a lot of pre-Rosario Camacho footage and a lot of uh, um, uh, Wilfred Benitez video I used to watch. Uh, you know, thanks to my, the first trainer I had, uh, Willie Badillo was my first uh, trainer in boxing. And, um, you know, a, a, another big influence I had actually, Orlando Carrasquillo, also Puerto Rican in, in the New York area. I had, my, I had basically, my, I owe a lot to Puerto Rican boxing. Because so you had, had a, a Puerto big Rican influence. Style. A, I don't know, I wouldn't call it a Puerto Rican style because it depends on which style you're looking at. Puerto mm -hmm. Ricans on the island are big hookers. I'm totally not anything mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. But a lot of that pizzazz flash boxing, I, I took from the Puerto Ricans. And, and like I said, I had the trainers as well that were Puerto Rican. It was, uh, uh, I, my, myself, I, had a, I owe a lot in, to the Puerto Rican boxing community for my boxing. Well, I think I, every New York fighter owes a lot to the, the Puerto Rican, the Puerto Rican le legacy because that, that's what all the big fights were. And, I, and I'd say as I was growing up, my brothers would always go to Wilfredo Benitez and say, look at the foot positioning, key. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and they taught me, I was very young, very young. They said, everything starts with your foot. Depending where you're at, that's how either strong it's going to be or how weak it's going to be, and that is a perfect positioning. And with that being said, the legacy of uh, boxing in Puerto Rico is not only dependent on men. I have another lady that is actually writing her own chapter in the books of history of Puerto Rican boxing. We're going to talk about her when we come back. So let's check out this list. Carlos Ortiz, Felix Ciro, Trinidad, Miguel Cotto, Wilfredo Gomez, Wilfredo Benitez, Hector Macho Camacho, Ivan Calderon. And these are just very few of a long list. But oddly enough, none of them had the opportunity to unify their titles. It took a lady to be able to make history. And not only did she make history by unifying her titles, she also made history as being one of the first females to ever fight at Madison Square Garden and pack it to the rim, thanks to Katie Taylor in 2022, Fight of the Year. Amanda Serrano is writing her own chapter in the books of history of Puerto Rican boxing. We've, you know, it, 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 it blows my mind when people say, well, she fights like a man. And I say, no, 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 she fights like a very good fighter, period. Regardless, what do you take? Yeah, I mean, she's, uh, uh, I can't say she's ahead of her time anymore because female boxing has come along so much that, you know, a fighter like her now shouldn't shock you. It, it, you know, it, it's just, you know, when a good fighter fights, you know when you're watching a good fighter. As opposed to before, we used to watch female boxers. And now I used to say that. I used to watch female boxers that could fight back in the day when there weren't as many, even though 
listen, the female sport of female boxing existed, and there were girls at the top of it, but a lot of the girls at the top of the female boxing sport were not that good. So when I'd see one that could fight, I'd say, whoa, she fights like a guy. It was like a, <laughs> a, it's like a, a natural instinct. You know, man, I'm not saying it was right or wrong, but that was my instinct. Mm -hmm. Today, and, and I, I remember the first time I thought that was about another Puerto Rican fighter, Melissa Salomon. Yes. You know, I, I saw her on, on that same card, actually. Uh, funny I mentioned they were on Trinidad Whitaker on the card. And Melissa Salomon was just dazzling, this girl, just like super stylish. Slick. And I was slick. as a super smooth boxer. And I was like, wow, this girl fights like a guy. Unbelievable. You know, like I had never seen that to that point. I had only been boxing two years. I had never seen a girl fight like that, you know. Uh, and, and Christy Martin was around and all this other stuff. But Christy Martin was more rough around the edge type, mm -hmm. you know, rough go Lucia Riker, yeah. uh, Wolf. I'm telling you, Wolf. Melissa Salomon was super smooth. And to see that in person, I was like, whoa. And, you know, actually, actually, she was Puerto Rican herself. So she should be mentioned here. But today, you look at a Serrano and you say, you don't say, oh, she fights like a guy. You just say, wow, she can fight. Because in reality... If that's your if that's your measuring stick, then a lot of girls fight like guys. So it's not you don't you can't say that anymore. You know they could they're just like you said good fighters. When you see a good fighter, whether female or male, you say oh it's a good fighter. You see a guy a person that can't fight, male or female, like ah then I don't, I don't really like the way they fight or they're not that good of a fighter. Serrano can fight flat out. Guy or girl, she can fight. Yeah, she definitely passes the eye test. But aside from that, I mean the the amount of titles that she has, the, the amount of divisions that she scaled, the and also which I think is a big part of her story is her, and her ability to cross over is her mm -hmm. power. She's, she has a tremendous knockout percentage, which we don't really normally see with the, with the women's divisions. Now, when, like you said, Paul, when you see Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano fight at the mm -hmm. Garden, making that historic gate you know, in, in, in women's history, bumps. you oh, don't yeah. look at that and go, that was a good girl fight. No. No, that was a good fight. Mm -hmm. That fight was in, enjoyable. It, 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 I was there, and I was in the arena that night. I mean, the crowd was going bonkers. And for right for for a good reason, the fight was phenomenal, and it wasn't a good girl fight. It was a good fight, and that's that's one another reason that she has transcended her position as a, just a female fighter to to being recognized as literally one of the best Puerto Rican fighters who's ever lived. I totally and, agree, and that's the thing. Also, you know, when, when you can fight, you can fight. But then, if you make fan friendly fights, people love you in general. And 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 so you know that fight with Serrano and and, and Taylor, you know, was a very fan friendly fight. Those are the kind of things that stay in people's memory banks, months, years. Decades later, you know, when they're talking about certain boxing subjects and 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 and, and certain conversations, you, people go back to those kind of fights, and, and you, you, they leave they they, uh, they leave a legacy. And what I what I like to uh, also add is the fact that when Amanda decides to do the crossover because there was no money in boxing, then she goes into mixed martial arts, and she's just as successful in mixed martial arts. You being a two-sport world champion, you know how difficult that is. Well, I wouldn't say just as successful because she's literally the most successful female who's ever lived <laughs> in MMA. I mean, there's, there's a lot of levels to that. But no, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's a shame that, that a lot of female fighters, Heather Hardy's another one who had to cross over to you know, yeah. chase that money that Clarissa wasn't available Shields. to mm -hmm. Clarissa Shield as well. You know, and all, you know, all three of them are very high-level, world-class world champions, and they had to go somewhere else to a different sport in order to make the money that they to deserve. To support themselves. Fast forward a couple years later, and these women are actually making real money. You know, yeah. you just had, we just had Michaela Mayer and Alicia Bumgarner. They both made a pretty penny in that fight from what I hear. So the women are finally seeing what, what, what they deserve. But the reason for that is the work that they put in. They're making exciting fights. Like, like Paulie said, it's not just about winning titles. The, fan, for the fans that need to want to see you fight, and they need to buy a ticket and put your butt in the seat. And they're doing that. And I just want to add, for those that have missed the train, because it happens, there's a lot of stuff going on in boxing. I missed a lot of trains. After Manny Pacquiao, <laughs> who has eight different Division. world champions in different eight different uh, weight divisions, 
The next one in line is Amanda Serrano with seven world titles in seven different divisions. It's easy to be said, but to do it takes a lot of sacrifice. And among sacrifices, I'd like to bring the new generation. We were talking about that new uh, people that are carrying the Puerto Rican flag. There's um, Edgar Berlanga, there's Sanders Sayas. Uh, Sanders Sayas, another fan friendly. Edgar Berlanga with a long knockout streak, La both Bomba. undefeated. La Bomba Gonzalez Tatan, that had a huge opportunity to finally get a title. Uh, are these the ones slated to take on the, 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 the standard of Puerto Rican boxing? Well, I think it's already started. I mean, Edgar Berlanga, you know, he's, he's been the mantle for some of those top-ranked shows on the Puerto Rican Day Parade, which has been a huge, huge night for, for boxing in general, but top rank especially. They've, they've driven the charge on taking control of Madison Square Garden, the New Yorkian fans getting them in there. I was at a number of those fights. Um, and Xander Zayas was coming out on the, on the undercard, and, I mean, absolutely, people are so high on that kid and over the moon about him, which I, I completely understand. He's got everything. He's got the looks. He's got the talk. He's got the fight, and he follows it up. And he, you know, he goes out there and, and puts punches together, puts on exciting fights. He's super dedicated. So I think that the the help of the future of the Puerto Rican champions is very good. Yeah, I think Xander um, is really he has a lot of weight on his shoulders for this for this reason. I I, I think when we talked about all the names we just mentioned, good fighters, solid fighters. Uh, with La Bomba, we're talking about a guy who's already a world champion. But you're not talking about you know when I talk when we're talking about a conversation, we're talking about stardom, superstardom. We're talking about filling Madison Square Garden up type of superstardom. We're talking about Miguel Cotto, Tito Trinidad type of stardom, you know, things that we've witnessed ourselves. And, you know, when you, the guys are walking out to the ring, you just say, whoa, you're just blown away by the energy. If I had to say there's a guy that may be able to do it, I mean, out of those names, I, only, I think only Xander Zayas can, yeah, can go to that level. You know, uh, we can talk about Puerto Rican fighters and solid Puerto Ricans all day long. They, yes. They've existed all along. But we're talking about guys can carry the mantle for the island of Puerto Rico. Guys that have done it every single generation. There's been guys that have done it. And now we're kind of in a vacuum here. When we're talking about who can be that guy, I think the only one of the names we just mentioned that has that potential is Xander Zayas. And that's no knock on the other guys. No. It's just there are, it's certain, just, there are certain intangibles that I see in Xander I've sparred with Xander Zayas. I've trained with him a bunch down in South Florida. And you're almost neighbors. Yeah, yeah, we're neighbors, we're, we're friends. Um, I, I call a lot of his fights on, on, mm -hmm. on the undercards of shows. I mean, the, the, the difference for me, and I think this is not only the difference with young fighters, but all fighters, is discipline. Discipline is what gets you to the next level and keeps you there. You mentioned the Kodos and the Trin Tito Trinidad level of selling out crowds. The reason those guys sold those crowds out is because they performed every, every time, mm -hmm. every fight, back to back to back, were all big fights, and they came out and they performed and they put on good shows. Very difficult to do, impossible to do if you don't have discipline. And I just want to add that they were not just fighting twice a year. No, no, exactly. different, different era. We're going we're gonna to talk more about Puerto Rican, the state of Puerto Rican boxing when we get back, but don't go away because we just talked about Xander Sayas. We talked about um, Edgar Berlanga. We have a lot more to talk about. Puerto Rico is getting ready to send a huge delegation to the Olympics. Do they have what it takes to become the powerhouse of boxing? We'll see. And starting April 1st, huge things. We have a new member joining our team, Ricardo Celis, and he's going to be in charge of all the briefs and the news here on ProBox TV. So if you miss something, don't worry. We got it for you. You'll come and join us and watch. You'll be updated in everything that has to do with boxing. And talking about updating, uh, Polly just made a very serious statement about Sandra Saez uh, being the one talent that you see that has the ability to carry on the legacy of Puerto Rican boxing. Am I right? 
Yeah, yeah, I, I think you've got a, a sort of a, the, the entire package. So, so far, as far as passing the eye test is concerned, good power, very good boxer, uh, good looking guy, uh, has some bilingual. bilingual. Um, he's, you know, there, there's things there that really make you make it pass the eye test. I, I think his boxing ability is very, very complete, and the way he disposes of his opponent and the way the, the, his opponents and the way he handles himself in the ring shows the composure of a veteran. You know, it's, it's, you bring up Xander, and, and I'm a huge fan too. Obviously, we said that in the last segment, but I think everyone's writing off Berlanga already. And I, I understand. How can you write him off? Well, you can because of his last couple of performances. But, so, but I, 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 I don't think you, you should write him off yet. I think a lot of people saw his last performance, his last two performances, and where you got Xander Zayas on the, on the undercard who performed exceptionally well. He well, kind of took not. some of that muster, from, that, that muster from people that are thinking that Xander's going to be it and that Edgar's. Past his prime I already. I wouldn't say writing him off. I think there was, uh, when he had that first round knockout streak, there was always a lot of questions about, okay, okay, when he doesn't get the first round knockout, are we going to answer questions A, B, C, and D? You know, and there was always questions. And he just kept getting the knockout, so it just made, the, it made but that, that meteoric rise. No, no, of course not. It made this meteoric rise even mm -hmm. more. Uh, uh, people, people became more fond of it, you know, more curious about it. But of course, those questions were always there that eventually we knew we'd have to have answered. And, and honestly, he probably failed all of them. You know what I mean? Like, like every single question you had as to when he doesn't get the first round knockout, is he going to be able to do A, B, or C? He showed he couldn't do any of them. You know right. what I mean? So that was the problem. So you're looking for, uh, uh, when I say like the entire style of Xander Zayas passes the eye test, Berlanga, the entire package doesn't pass the eye test. He, there's things he needs to adjust and needs to make a, a, he needs to change about his boxes. Now, I don't think you can change completely, but there's certain adjustments, improvements that need to be there if he's going to be a threat. Because when he stepped up, his power isn't even of that caliber that we were thinking. Oh. So, so there now, for you can't bail yourself out with the power. You got to bail. You're going to have to rely on other things. And the power is solid, but it's not that power. It's not that Golovkin kind of power. But now you got to bail yourself out with, you know, boxing intuition, uh, boxing IQ, other things as well. In and addition to, in addition to the other the power that you might have, and it just wasn't there. It just wasn't there. You know, and like I said, the power wasn't even of that level once he stepped up. So, so you know, there, there's a lot of things. And again, that's not to say he can go win a world title, possibly, possibly not. Listen, winning a world title at this point for Berlanga, I think is a big step. You know what I mean? I think that would make a, that would make a huge um, statement considering at that time you thought he was can't miss. Like, oh, he's definitely gonna win a title. It's how many titles? Now, I'll tell you what, if he wins one world title, that's a statement. That, that's, you know, that, that shows, okay, he's of that level. Again, it doesn't necessarily make him the guy of the Puerto Rican generation, but at least it makes him make a statement at, at a point where people were, did write him off. When I say write off, I'm saying write off in terms of he's not going to be the next Puerto Rican legend. And, and, and you kind of just alluded to that as well. And he, if, he's, if you said if he wins a world title, that would be a big deal for him. But I, I, I'm, not, I'm not ready to write. He had two tough fights. I, listen, I know boxing is a very unforgiving sport. And if you don't perform one every distraction. single time, that's all it takes. But I think that's been a big problem for, for Edgar in his, mm -hmm. in his rise. It's been distractions. It's been the outside influence. It's been jumping from team to camp to jump here, 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 here. Also, when you come in with all those yeah. celebrity friends who walk you to the ring, those Entourage. kind of things can affect a young fighter. I believe there is an opportunity for him to right a lot of those wrongs outside of the ring so he can right those wrongs inside of the ring and check those those boxes. Well, there's I mean, a, there's, this boxing skill is there. I've seen it. There's there's one thing you that can I do it. There's one thing that I always tell young fighters and to that they have to remember. Obviously there's a lot of things you always have to remember, but there's one thing that I always tell young fighters because it's something that it's a pitfall they can fall into. You have to want to be a world champion more than you want to be famous. Yes. If your drive is to be famous, 
when you're getting your butt whooped and you got to get up off the canvas. That's you're not going to You're, you're in a hurtful up. situation in a fight where you're, you're just miserable and you got to fight through it. Being famous, the desire to be famous is not going to be enough. When you want to be a champion and you're going through those same miserable situations, which eventually be, you know, we all have to go through and we have to fight through them, that motivation to want to be a champion will get you, will have you continue to fight for what you want. And that's very important. And, and sometimes I think a lot of the fighters, especially today's young fighters, you know, there's more of it with the social media and all this stuff. There's more of a, of a desire to be uh, uh, well, not even just a desire, a path, a yeah. path to be famous, famous before you're champion. Before you're champion. And sometimes we see guys, you know, with an ability to sell themselves better on social media than they do in real life, and it pays off for them. So now there's not only before there was always a pitfall, but now there's actually a reward if you do it right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, so you know, yeah, like, but you got to have the goods to back it up. I, I was one of the first people in you know, this modern era where social media was thing, Facebook came out. I was selling tickets to my fights through Facebook from mm -hmm. college. Like, and it, it worked really well for me. It was before we were at the year where we could make millions and millions of followers. and But I could always fight. I just needed an outlet. Now we're seeing the opposite. We're seeing guys who can't really fight that well. Yeah. And they we're getting, they we're can't getting back all this attention. They can't back it up. They get there and they got nothing for them. I, for when us. we talk about uh, talent and the ability to put butts on those seats because that's what social media actually does mm -hmm. to create that friction and bring you know, the attraction and bring people into the stadium. Now, we have two more names that I would like for you to give me your Wait, opinion. One more thought, because this came up when, when, you, when, you, when you brought up a fighter, Paulie, about that when, when the fight gets hard. I was thinking of Victor Ortiz. Yes! Someone, someone who oh. wanted to be famous more than they wanted to be champion. Yeah. And, and, and the Marcos that, that, Maidana fight, that's what came to my mind immediately. Marcos Maidana, he goes after the fight, he goes, I can't be taking big shots like that. Yeah. No, no you, remember, really? but you remember the follow-up sentence? I got better use for my face. But you see it a lot. Yes. But one thing about some of these guys do become champions. What I'm saying is their talent is to the level oh, where yeah, Victor, what? He Victor a became a champion. Yeah. So their talent, this, but they still, they still um, underperform. Yeah. Uh, the expectation, they don't live up to expectation. Um, you can, you know, it, it's very target. hard to be a champion when you have like when you're like this. But some of these guys are so talented that they do get there. But they still underperform in terms of the overall picture of what's expected. Because of them. they're Victor chasing was one the of wrong guys. target. They're chasing, they, they're they're chasing the fame and not the title. They're chasing. They're not chasing history. They're not chasing legacy. Yeah. They're not chasing being a boxing. Yeah, person. they're just chasing they're something. Chasing exactly. Very, chasing that legacy. Thing. Chasing things. That's what I'm saying. If and, and, and so with the risk was that honestly, Conor McGregor's like that. You know what I mean? Like he's won two titles, never fought, never defended but, a title, but, all this other stuff. But he's is, excellent, excellent on social media, famous. And, he also and made can I just remind you? Exactly. He has he has made more money losing than winning. Yeah. But what I'm saying. Berlang risking being in that situation, right? He was getting all that hype, and then, you know, he, he could have piggybacked it into a world title and everything, and instead, he kind of fell on his face. But, well, but he's you know, there's young. time, I don't say he's not as young as he was, but there's time to make the adjustments, but you got, at that point, you need humility. You got to go back, you got to go back, and you have to have humility to want to do that. Again, do, you want to be champion, or you want to be famous? But you can be both, but you got to want to be champion more. <laughs> two names, two names. Najee Lopez, Suriel Matias. Do they have what it takes, or, or how close are they to become those household names? Well, I, I think Najee's got a long way to go. I mean, he's very early in his career. I saw a lot of talent when I got the close to his, his most mm -hmm. recent fight. Um, I mean, the, 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 the boxing IQ, the ability, the physicality is there, especially now in these new weight classes. I mean, we'll see. The those, size, the sheer long, size. Yes, yeah, tall, long, yes. uh, smart, athletic, but still a long way to go. It's very early in his pro career. Matias is, Subriel Matias, is, he's a beast. He is a come-forward, two-fisted banger who's got nothing on his mind except knocking you out. Going yeah, back to what I, you I, said. Yeah, and, and, and those are the kind of guys that, you know, get people excited. Yeah. You know, Matias is a, a 
uh, an exciting type of style fighter. Uh, Najee's a stylistic boxer, but can bring out the power, boxer especially puncher. as he come down. I like, I, I'm, I was a boxer in my career. I like Najee because Najee is, uh, uh, has the power, but he also has some really insane boxing skills, different levels. Also, another Puerto Rican fighter I want to bring up, Joseph Adorno. Joseph Adorno doesn't get talked about, but he's a big power guy, and I think he's also got a guy, potential to be dangerous. And was Jermaine Ortiz Puerto Rican or not? The guy that fought Lomachenko? Yeah. Good question. I don't, I don't know. know. I, I, let me check the DNA. Uh, we'll see. Oh my God. We'll find out. <laughs> don't, don't miss it because we're obviously we're, we're, we'll, 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 we're, we're going to figure that out and come back. <laughs> of course. In the meantime, thank you guys. And of course, Puerto Rican boxing is still very much alive. And we're going to have a lot more to talk about. Don't miss it right here on Pro Box TV. Everything you ever wanted or needed to know about boxing is with us. We have a date.